everybody's going through the same thing and none of us as men are talking about it. It's frustrating because we can help each other. We don't have to do it alone. And it's also not weak to reach out to your neighbor or your brother or your dad or a cousin or a friend or a brother and say, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm struggling with. You have any words of wisdom for me? There was a lot of discrepancy between the way that I thought a good man shows up and then how I was actually showing up because I didn't know any better. I'm a grown ass man. So at some point we need to let go of the excuses. Like at some point that excuse expires. That's your son. You have an opportunity to teach him. And not only an opportunity to teach him, you might be the actual, the only male presence in one of those boys' lives. You know, you have these kids who don't have dads around. They're being raised primarily by women. And I love women and I have nothing against women, but boys need men and nobody's stepping up. You need to show them willpower, commitment, follow through, consequences for their actions and their poor performance, consequences for their good performance, structure, guidance, clarity, encouragement. This is something that boys need from their fathers. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Men Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. We have a very special guest here today. Today's guest uh, has become a dear personal friend. He's been a man who's been fighting the battles at the forefront of extending masculinity and supporting men, manhood, and masculinity for almost 10 years. Um, he's uh, truly a, a great man, a great American. Ryan Mickler. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, Nikki, how are you, man? I appreciate the introduction. I, you said fighting the battle. I'm glad you didn't say winning the battle because, uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it tends to get the better of us from time to time. But yeah, I am trying to fight the battle for myself and hopefully I can rally some men together to do the same in their lives. Well, brother, when you and I first met was what, back in 2017, I think. And yeah, probably we about to that. have this conversation uh, you came on 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 my business podcast at the time because this podcast didn't even exist. And I remember saying to you, what you're doing is super necessary. And you were at the forefront of it. There was very few other men that were doing this work. There's more men doing it now, but I would still say you're at the forefront of it. And if anything, what you're doing is more needed now than ever. Maybe start off with what made you decide to put a stake in the ground and say, this is my life's work. This is what I'm going to take a stand on. Uh, I wish I could say that it was more, more along the lines of what you're saying. It, it really wasn't. If I'm, if I'm being honest about it, it was more. So I'll back up a little bit. I had a financial planning podcast at the time uh, and I was running a very successful financial planning business that I started about six years earlier. I'd been in the, in the business for almost, almost a decade and I realized when I was doing the podcast that I, I love the medium of podcasting, but I didn't want to continue to have that financial conversation that way. So I decided to make a pivot with the podcast. That one was called Wealth Anatomy, and I launched Order of Man in 2015, not with the goal of putting my you know flag in the ground, like you say, or 
uh, you know, championing this cause of masculinity, but really just finding a way to reach out to successful men that I was motivated and inspired by that could help me in my own personal life with being a father, uh, being, being a husband, being a business owner at the time, still um, just a better man in general. And I realized very quickly when I released my first podcast that I think I had more downloads on the first podcast that I released than my entire collection of podcasts that I had done with the financial planning stuff and very quickly realized, oh, you know, we're onto something here. And I think there's a lesson in here that a lot of people get wrong. Uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction. I've seen uh, studies that will suggest that um, 70, 75, even some that suggest up into 80% of the people are dissatisfied with their current work, which is a real travesty because they're spending the majority of their waking hours there. And I realized that that was me, but I see a lot of people who are dissatisfied and yet they won't make a move because they think they have to have their their mission or their objective or know exactly what they're going to be doing. And that wasn't the case for me. It was just something I was interested in. And I did it for more of a part-time side hustle, if you will, but really just fun because I wasn't making any money. And it grew and developed and more from there. And I built and evolved and refined and honed into something that has now, to your point, become my life's work and my mission. Yeah. Well, you know, you decided to get involved in it because you saw that there was something that wasn't quite right in the world. And that really is the point that I want us to hone in on in this conversation. So talk about that. What did you see that made you say, let me talk about this subject? Yeah. I mean, well, one, we have to realize there's a lot wrong with the world. <laughs> like there's a, so much so that we can't tackle all of it. And, and, and I think it would be a mistake to believe that we have to tackle all of it or that we should address all of it. You know, I'll have people who will reach out and say, Hey Ryan, you know, you should do this podcast or you should do this project or you should focus on these topics. And my response is you should do that. You should focus on that. You should start that. You should address that problem. And I'm not saying it's unworthy of me addressing. I'm saying I've already, I've already got my problem. I already know what it is and what I'm dealing with. And I want to focus on that. But if you see something else, I'll encourage you. I'll help you. I'll give you resources. I'll make introductions, but you do that. And so for me, it was, again, it was very personal, but it was really a lack of clarity around what it meant to be a man. Um, I grew up without a permanent father figure in my home. My dad was uh, out of the picture. Mostly I would see him in the summer, usually, you know, once, maybe twice a year. By the time I was three years old, he was pretty much out of the picture. And I had other stepfathers come into my life who just were not great examples of men. And I realized in looking at my buddies and looking around and seeing what other men were doing, that there was a lot of, of discrepancy between the way that I thought a good man shows up and then how I was actually showing up because I didn't know any better. And you could blame that on my upbringing. You could blame that on these men who came into my life who didn't you know, champion that cause or didn't really pick up that mantle of teaching me what they needed to, but I'm a grown ass man. So at some point we need to let go of the excuses like, oh, my father wasn't around. Well, how long are you going to lean on your father not being around for you to not be a man? Like at some point that excuse expires. When you're 10, sure. 15, yeah, got it. 20, 30, 40? No, that, that's way past expiration date on that excuse. And I see a lot of men who are struggling. In fact, I get messages weekly from guys who are like, you know, Ryan, I grew up without a, a, a dad and 
I'm 40 years old now and I never really realized what it meant to be a man. And on one hand, I'm like, damn, like, let's figure it out. You're 40 years old. What do we have to do? And on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I definitely get it. So I see this real problem in society, not only personally, but societally of fatherless homes, father, even fathers are in the home. Technically they're disengaged or they're confused themselves because they didn't learn, uh, or maybe they're abusive because that's their upbringing. Uh, and, and then even in the community, you know, I, I, I'm amazed at how often I, this last season, baseball season, I coached two of my son's baseball teams and it was amazing and a little frustrating how difficult it was to get a dad to come help me. You know, it's like, this is your son playing baseball. And I know you're busy and I know you have things going on and I know you have your career and you have, pro I know I, I do too, but that's your son. And you have an opportunity to teach him. And not only an opportunity to teach him, you might be the actual, the only male presence in one of those boys' lives. Because that was the case for me. You know, I had coaches, one in particular, Matt Labram is his name. We're still good friends to this day, 20, what, five years later now. Yeah. He was a, he was a, he wasn't that much older than me. I think he was five or six years older than me at the time, but he was a masculine male figure that I really looked up to in a fatherly way. And if he hadn't been in my life, things could have gone drastically different. And it's the same for the young men in the community. You know, you have these kids who don't have dads around. They're being raised primarily by women. And I love women and I have nothing against women, but boys need men. Yeah. And nobody's stepping up. So these are some of the problems that I saw. And, and I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I feel fortunate to be able to kind of stumble into it. And then now build and be more deliberate and intentional about what the actual problems with manliness and masculinity are in society today. You know, I took some notes on what you were saying. And when it comes to fathers, you mentioned three types of issues. One is fatherless homes. The second is disengaged fathers. And the third is confused fathers. Right. And all of those are bang on. There's a ton, ton of boys who don't have fathers around. I mean, my wife and I aren't together. But I'm involved in my boys' lives from the get-go. I made a decision that, you know, I was going to be there half time there with me, half time there with her, and mm -hmm. um, both my boys are playing organized sports with coaches that are not me. I mean, when they were younger, I coached them, but my uh, my 15 year old plays hockey. He's a goaltender, and he plays in a level called Double A. The next level is AAA, and then from there you potentially can go to university or you know be drafted by the NHL. And what's good about him being on an organized sports team with a coach is that there's a man there. He's a role model for the kids. He's going to have to learn to be socialized. He's got to work with other players. He's got to show some discipline to 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 be able to keep his skills sharp enough to be able to be a, a member of that team. And for the last two, three years, the teams that he's been on have been, well, struggling, you know, to find success. But this year he made it to a team, just got signed on that came in second last year in their entire division. 
Well, it's more than a division. Mm-hmm. Their entire conference, I should say. And they got a shot at winning it all for uh, city championships for their age group. So, man, super excited for him. My oldest son yeah. plays soccer. He's 17. His coach is Croatian, Eastern European. So you got to get those, those, those folks are still men. They haven't bought into all the woke craziness that men have over here. So he's being yeah. mentored by somebody who, if he screws up, is going to give him crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to hammer him. Good. So they, they, Good. They, they're played, they played a tournament this weekend and they won. They were tournament champions, but their first game, they played like shit. And the coach, like, we could hear him yelling at the kids from, like, yards away. And they're sitting there going, this is what you done. I don't care that you got the result. Your performance sucked. Blah, blah, blah. And it was great. I'm just sitting there going, yeah, yeah. that's good. That's what I want. That's what I want to see for my sons. But I also realized that we're the exceptions. Me and my boys, we're the exceptions. We're not the rule. And that is a problem because we got enemies. If people think we don't have enemies right now, we have enemies outside of Canada, the United States, the West. There's a communist Chinese party. There's Vladimir Putin's Russia right now. They're all the jihadists. And if you don't think those folks want to defeat us and take what we have, you're in for another thing. And I am frightened that the next generation of men aren't going to be strong enough to be able to fight our enemies and beat them if need be. Well, I think, yeah, that obviously that's an issue and that's a concern for a lot of men and we have to do something about it. And and people will ask me, so what do we do? Well, you lead your boys, first of all, you lead your boys like men and you realize that you're not raising kids, you're raising future men and you treat them like that. I'm not saying harshly. I'm not saying mean. I'm not saying you need to be cruel or violent or any, any of these things that some people typically would associate with masculinity. That's not what I'm saying but you need to exercise discipline. You need to show them willpower, commitment, follow through, consequences for their actions and their poor performance, consequences for their good performance. These are the things that men bring to the table, structure, guidance, clarity, encouragement. I'm not saying women can't, they can, but you know, this is something that boys need from their fathers. And so it starts in the home. If you're not doing that, that's a problem. And then you move out from there. And part of that means that you better figure out a way to be economically successful. That's something a lot of a lot a lot of the times goes un, undre- unaddressed because people believe you know that it, it, money isn't the most important things are things that you hear. And I, I agree, money is not the most important thing. But look, I'll tell you what: I've been broke, and I've been pretty wealthy in my life, and I'm a better person when I'm wealthy. Not not me inside. Okay, I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying I'm a better person. And what I mean is that when I have financial resources, I can invest into things that are important to me. I can take time off of work and go pour into my sons and community members and run their baseball teams. I can give to charity. I can be creative because I'm not strapped to making sure I have the mortgage taken care of. And so I can be creative and flexible. I can take more risk with my money. I can hire more people. I can contribute to the tax base. There's so much more that comes when we learn to be economically successful that allow us to be better human beings. Again, not internally. I'm not talking about worth. I'm talking about our actions as men. So take care of your family, make yourself a financial success. And we do that primarily by learning how to add value. It's a whole other conversation that we can get into if we need to. Uh, and then you start turning it outwards. When you learn to add value, 
you're economically successful, you're taking care of your family. Now's the opportunity for you to turn to your neighbor and say, you know, that kid right there, that 10 year old little boy who just, whose parents just went through a divorce. He doesn't have a man in his life. I need to invite him over to play with my boys. If I'm going to the baseball field or the park, he needs to come with us because he needs to learn. And so we better look left and right. And we better figure out a way how to do this within our communities, not just our isolated bubbles in the walls of our home. Amen, man. Amen. No, well said. Well said. You know, this is a year for myself uh, that I want to make a bunch of changes and I'm in the process of making some of them. I used to be a top fitness trainer. I worked with Olympic gold medal athletes. I was ripped, shredded. And then I got out of that world and every year I gained one to five pounds. And I look at myself in the mirror um, early February of this year and I see this fat man that I don't recognize. I weighed 227 pounds and I said, fuck this. So I... I went and I sought out a fellow because I kept telling myself, you know, you're, you, you were a trainer. You can, you can turn this around anytime you, you want. Do it. Yeah, you can do and it. And I looked myself yeah. in the mirror and I said, you are not a trainer anymore and you cannot do this anytime you want. You need help. So I tell people to hire help when they need it. So I hired help. I found a guy that's helped thousands of people do this. He put something up on uh, Facebook there was a picture of a guy older than me, looked worse than I did at the time. And then he looked like he belonged on stage in a bodybuilding contest. So I called this guy up and I said, I want to hire you. Let's go. And uh, the only question I asked him is, can you get me the result in 55? He said, yeah. And then at the end of it, after I said, yeah, I'm in, I said, by the way, what do you charge? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was one yeah, of those. Good. Like, I'm like, yeah, I, guess I better know, right? Like, shit, what did I sign I up? mean, yeah, that's. That's a factor that you ought to take into consideration. For, for sure. sure. But but I'd already said yes. It wasn't like I was going to back out at that point, right? I gave my word. Yeah. That's another thing as a man, you give your word, you give your word. There's no backing down. I told him I'm in. I agree. Whatever the price was at that point, that was my problem or to negotiate with him. But I'd given him my word, <laughs> right? And that's a lot of men that I understand that. Doesn't freaking matter at that point. That's my problem. I gave him my word and that's that was it. So he told me the price. It wasn't that big a deal. Uh, you know, it was some money, you know, don't get me wrong. It wasn't free, but it wasn't, I said, okay, I'm in, let's do it. And we did it. And so this was February 7th that I started. It's now June 7th down from 227 to 197. And my goal is to get down to 183. Uh, thank you to 183. And in my business, COVID was interesting. You know, 2020, we went down a little bit. Uh, 2021, we spiked up 2022. We went down and I thought to myself, screw it. This is the year I want to make a million dollars. I want to make a million dollars. So I never made a million come close, never made a million in a year. And so that's where I put my business focus on. And inside the work I do with men with sovereign man, I said, well, you know what? We want to make our organization strong enough that we're going to attract more and more men to the work that we do because we were having men come and men leave you know it was just nah i wasn't happy with how it was going and so we we put together uh, what we call a high council uh which is like a board of directors there's a few men on it there's a man who helps me uh, run it and we've had conversations about things to do to make the organization better and boom and now i have an opportunity fingers crossed to work with a brand here in canada that uh, I think will align with what we do. And they're um, 
we might be able to do some sort of advertising revenue share thing with these guys. And man, that would be awesome. We can go from 18, 20 men in our community to 100 men, 1,000 men, 10,000 men, which is my vision for this. That'll that'll help us change the world. So for me as a man, this year was a year where I said, no more, draw the line in the sand with all the crap that hasn't gone the way I want it to go. And also, what can I do to make sure that men like you who are doing the good work continue to have profile and succeed? Because I think I told you when when I started this, I said, Ryan, if you have 10,000 men in order of men, that's like a small town, a really small town. Like yeah. if there were 10,000 Ryan Micklers, each of whom had 10,000 men, that's only a hundred million men getting the message of masculinity. So that's not even enough, man. We got to like right. clone you. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> like, and then we also got to be careful not to have and no disrespect to anybody who's doing work for men. Cause I respect you for stepping into the arena, but there's some men out there that let's face it. The advice they're giving men ain't the best. You know what I mean? They're giving men yeah. some terrible advice. Like there's dudes that go out there and talk about, Hey man, you want to be a man? Go make a lot of money, get ripped, and go sleep with as many women as you as you can. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not good advice for a young man to hear. So, <laughs> well, know, I do agree with the go make money and get ripped. The, the, but I, I agree think the with motive, those two. But 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 the motive is important too. Like, there's guys who are saying, you know, and this this drives me crazy. Hey. It's okay if you are in a relationship with a woman and you sleep with other women, but she better not. And I'm like, I don't know what kind of woman you date, but you know, my lady, if I was to have that conversation with her, would rip my balls off. You know, no woman <laughs> worth having is going to want you to be sleeping around with other with other uh, uh, women. Yeah, I mean, what I the think. hell is that? And this is just an example. There's also there's other people who just don't know what they're talking about when it comes to masculinity. So we not only need to make sure that your group grows in tenfolds and a hundredfolds, we need to make sure that the the right men that are stepping forward in leadership experience similar success because we got a world to save, man. I agree. Uh, you you said clone, you know, ten thousand me's. I I I don't think that's the answer. I think. There are certain principles that we should all as men espouse and work towards and champion, uh, but there's enough room for us to do it all a little bit differently. And, and that's what I would like to see is not 10,000 me's, but us all rallying around similar mission, sure. but doing it in a way that's going to land and resonate with 300 million people, billion people, yes. right? Instead of, and, and so it's, I, I used to think, and not all that long ago that it's this is the way this is the only way this is the best way this is the only way it should be done and there are still still certain things i believe about that that and they're more principle based now but i also know just in my a little bit more maturity and some humbling experiences that there might be a different better way to approach things and we ought to be open and receptive to that as well Yeah, well said. And when I said clone you, I mean, that was tongue in cheek somewhat. Because I know what you mean. The, the yeah, truth of the matter is that we do need different approaches. You know, I was talking to you before we got started about Justin Sterling and the Sterling Men's Weekend. It's a phenomenal program. It, it, it 
has been foundational to getting me involved in men's work. Do I agree with everything Justin says? No, I don't. There's some things he says that I think are crazy, but 98% of what he says is great. And when it comes to men dealing with relationship issues with women, he's peerless. He's the best there is. Every man should do their darndest to do the Sterling weekend. And unfortunately, Justin's not doing physically well. He needs a kidney transplant. He thought he had one, but apparently it was the wrong kidney or whatever. And so, Jeez. yeah, it's not good. He, I think he's got maybe one or two more of these weekends left in him. So if, if anyone's thinking of doing this and they haven't done it, now's the time to make a decision to go do the next one. So Justin's great. Order of Man's great. The work that you've done, your book, Sovereignty, fantastic book. You know, quite frankly, when I read your book, when I came up with the name Sovereign Man, you, you were one of a couple of inspirations. There was another man who talked about being a self-sufficient man, but I like the word sovereign mm -hmm. better. So I said, yeah, the sovereign. A way man. better word. It's a way better yeah, word. A way better sufficiency. Yeah, that's it. So I, I use that Strong. as inspiration to name our group. So, you you know, you helped cause that with what you wrote. I think that's fantastic. And there's... um. Ernest Emerson of Emerson Knives. Are you familiar with uh, Emerson Knives or Ernie Emerson? Do you know him and his work? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. So Ernie's a neat guy. He um, invented the tactical folding knife for the United States Navy Steels back in the late 70s, early 80s. Hmm. Um, okay. Uh, so if you go to SEALs and you ask about, hey, did you, you ever use an Emerson knife? They'll probably all say yes. Uh, he hmm. He's the man who created that. And... He also speaks a lot about issues of men and masculinity. So he he was at Blade Show this weekend. A couple of years ago, he was at Blade Show, and he does these uh, workshops, these breakout room workshops. And one of his workshops was in search of the uncommon man. And so when I saw that, I, I wasn't able to go because you know we were locked down here in Canada. And this weekend, I wasn't able to go because my son had a tournament. So uh, I'm planning on going one of these days because I'm a knife nut. And Ernie talks about these issues. He's been on my podcast a few times. He just did a knife with Tim Kennedy. You know Tim Kennedy, right? Oh, yeah, of course. His friend so, of mine. Okay, so he, he and Tim Kennedy just designed a knife together, and, and he started selling it. I got one. Uh, it, it It's a beautiful knife. It's a combat knife. That's it's, cool. It's, it's, it is really, really cool. But you should meet Ernie. If you like, I'd be happy to make an introduction. He has some very interesting things to say about men, manhood, and masculinity. And he, he's also a man who's into knife fighting and Filipino knife fighting. He taught it. So mm. he's got some different views around that. He doesn't run a men's group, but he builds knives. He's got like a multi-million dollar company that makes tools for men. So he's pretty cool, interesting character, right? There's my buddy, um, Steve Richmond up here in Canada. He's been doing men's work since 1994, so darn near 30 years. He leads the, the men's weekend courses for the Sterling Men's Weekend Organization, the Sterling Institute of Relationship. And he does, he coaches men who's, you know, uh, dealing with issues with their wives and things mm -hmm. like that. And uh, I go to Steve whenever I get into a fight with my lady. I call him up and go, hey, man. Where did I fuck up? You know what I mean? That's the first question I ask yeah. him. So yeah, resources like that are valuable. Super, super valuable. And I'm sure you know a, a dozen others that we can put in. I think the most important thing for us to do as an organization of men is put the message of masculinity out and let men in general know that, hey, there's all these different resources available for you to check out. 
Yeah, I agree. I, and I, I think sharing those resources, uh, a good friend of mine, Larry Hagner with the good, good dad project. I actually yeah, yeah, dad edge man. now. Yeah. He really good man. Um, you know, he reached out, he's like, Hey, can I have an introduction to so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I least used to, I used to have this scarcity mindset where I'm like, Oh, I can't give that to Larry or Nikki because if I do, you know, then I don't know. I don't even know what I was thinking. It's such a weird <laughs> concept to me now. Like, what are we afraid of? Like, what? I mean, I know you, I know Larry, like, I, I don't think you're going to ruin my reputation, I guess would be worst case scenario, but, but I know you well enough that that's not the case. And yet we're so scared or I'll have guys reach out and they're like, Hey, Ryan, I'm thinking about starting a program or a, a movement similar to you. Do you have any pointers? I don't turn those guys down. Well, no, I'm, I'm not going to give you any pointers. You're my competition. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Here's some pointers. Here's some things you can do. You know, and you really only have two types of people in the world. You have those people who are going to figure it out regardless of whether you help them or not. And those who are not going to figure it out regardless of whether you help them or not. So you might as well just help everybody because either they're going to figure it out without your help. And then you're going to create a, a, an adversary instead of an ally, or you're going to share everything with them and they're just not going to do it anyway. So you're not really out anything by just sharing and, and being valuable. I, I, lo I love that. I love being valuable. I had a friend who uh, had some problems with a, a water softener and I've got an introduction to a plumber. So like, why wouldn't I make that connection? You know, it's, I don't understand why we wouldn't just take five minutes and help a friend in this case and help the plumber because he's going to get business. Uh, like it's such an easy, low hanging, high value activity for men to engage in. Add value, serve other people, care about them enough to see them win and yeah. rally them around a community. Amen. Well said. You know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I wrote a book um, called The Power of Connecting with a mm. fellow named Kai Bjorn. Um, that's him back there. He was uh, the country head for Canada until recently for BNI, Business Networking International. You feel oh, familiar? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Ivan Meisner. Yeah, and I have Ivan on the podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I mean, think I, was I part connected of BNI you with Ivan back in Oh, back that's in what it day. was. It yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. So Ivan, Ivan, Ivan wrote the foreword for the book. And in here, we talk about that very issue. Make connections. Give connections to people. Because when you give that's connections where I learned to it people, from. you get connections from people. Like, that's the whole point. Like, best thing I can do. Like, I interviewed a fellow from my business podcast today. And he's a successful man with a multi-million dollar corporation that he runs. and. I was talking about this and I said, you know what? I think I know somebody that you should have on your show. And he's like, yeah, okay. I told him who, and he said, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. And then he said, you know, I think I know someone that I want to introduce to you that you should have on your show. And yeah. I also think this is a good guy. You guys might find a way to collaborate in business. So I was like, man, that's super cool. So boom, okay. done. And I just said to you, Hey, Ernie Emerson, friend of Tim Kennedy's good dude, exactly. good guest for your show. Let me connect you with Ernie. You'll love you. You'll love Ernie. You'll love Ernie. You got to buy yourself an Emerson knife, man. You got to buy the Tim Kennedy knife. You should see if you get Tim to I'm sign up for you or that. something. You know, <laughs> just um, I do so want to. I do want to make one point of clarification on something you said, and and yeah. I think you probably agree, but I'd love to hear what you think. You said, uh, well, the the motto of BNI is is givers gain, right? Yes. And and so you said, well, that's the whole point. You know, if you give, you're going to get, that's, that's the whole point. I actually don't think that's the point. And, and I think, I think a lot of people get this wrong and, and I, I don't believe this about you. So, so 
but but I've seen a lot of people who only give with the anticipation or expectation of something in return. And and that's not a good way to look at it. The best way to make connections is because it's the right thing to do. That's it. Amen. It's just it's intrinsically valuable. If it's it's your job, if you're a man, I have women too, if you're a human being, it's your job to help other people. If that is your that is the reason you're on this planet is to is to learn what you can learn in the way that you want to learn it and the things that are interesting to you and then help people. There's nothing else. There's a lot of things that go with that, but that's the most important thing. And a natural byproduct of that is that people are going to see that you're valuable. They're going to want to serve you. But that's a byproduct of just being valuable in people's lives. 100%. And in the world of BNI and business connecting, obviously you're going in there because you want to expand your, your circle and your network of people and you want to receive. But the best way to become a receiver is to give. The best way to become a receiver is to give. There was a fellow... Um, that I interviewed, actually, he has a saying that goes something like this, giving begins the receiving process. Giving mm. begins the receiving process. And no, you shouldn't give to just going, okay, I gave some to you, give it back to me. I kept record, yeah. I may, it may not happen that way. I mean, look, today, the person you're given to, maybe all they can do is, is receive. Maybe they're just in a season in their life that that's all they're able to do. But God notices those things and God goes, oh, you're a giver, so I'll give to you. And that's important. That's super, super important to understand because a lot of people come in there, like you said, with the attitude of, I can't give, I got to hold everything back. Don't hold anything back. Give it all. Give it all. Yeah, that's a, that again, that's that scarcity is like, I'm going to give 90%. Don't give a hundred. People even do that in the relationships. Oh, I'm scared. You know, what if this goes south? I only give 90%. Don't <laughs> go a hundred. You know, we're in business. I don't know. Like I hedge my bets because uh, what if this happens or what if that happens? I'm not saying go into things blindly or, or you need to be naive to what's going on. But yeah, if you're only 90% in or 80 or 70 or 50% in, don't bitch when it doesn't work. Yeah. Don't complain and it doesn't work. You didn't give it 100%. I have guys join our groups. You know, we've got a, a program called the Iron Council. Yes. We've got, I think, just about 1,400 guys in the Iron Council now and They'll come in and the guys that leave, they'll message me and they'll say, Hey, you know, Ryan, I'm leaving for whatever reason. And I'll say, Hey, can you share with me a little bit about why you're deciding to go? And a lot of the times these guys are like, Oh, I'm busy. And you know, I, I didn't put as much as I wanted into it. And I, you know, I didn't get anything out of it. And I'm like, okay, well, let me see what you did. And so a lot of the times I'll actually go back and I, I have a log, I can see activity in there and I'll go back and I'll look at their activity. I'm like, well, this guy signed up three months ago. He logged in you know, for, for maybe 72 hours of that, of that time. And then we haven't heard a peep from them. So, you know, yeah, you can go if you're not getting the value, but really like what do you think was going to happen if you didn't show up and do the work? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's super important, I think for men in 2023 to be a part of something like the iron council, to be a part of a brotherhood because there are no masculine spaces for men anymore. Let's face it. If you're at home with your wife, that's not a masculine space and nor should it be right. If you work in a company, 
in 2023, that's no longer a masculine space either, right? Unless you're part of a a sports team, a non-woke sports team, masculine camaraderie just doesn't exist. And we as men, we need that. We need a place where we can have a masculine set of discussions with other men, where we can behave in a jocular, physical fashion with other men. And when we have that, we expand, we become better. But if all of the conversations and all of the spaces we're in are feminized, that part of us, that masculine essence wilts and over time shrinks into nothingness. That's why the Iron Council, Sovereign Man, Dad Edge, all of these are super important because we give men a place where they can have a masculine set of discussions and a masculine set of interactions with other masculine men. What say you to that? Agreed. (laughs) I don't think I need to add anything to it. Uh, I, I, I would say... When you said we don't have spaces anymore, I, I agree with that. Uh, there, there are a few, right? You, you said sports. Military, I think, is another example where that could exist. <clears throat> uh, but you, if you were to look back a thousand years ago, it wasn't a question as, whether, as to whether or not the men were going to get together towards a common purpose. It's just built into the culture. It was. Because you had to get together and you had to war against other tribes, either defense or offense, but you had to war against other tribes and you had to go out and hunt together in order to bring food back to the family and tribe. So um, that's what we did. That wasn't a question. But we live in such a relative ease of modernity now that we don't need to go out and hunt together. Just, I just run out of the grocery store at McDonald's. I don't need to go do that. Uh, the, like a, I'm not worried about anybody like warring neighborhoods with me. Like I'm, I'm not worried about that. You know, I have, I have some basic home defense and firearms training and some stuff around here to make sure that, you know, I'm taken care of, but that threat is almost non-existent in, in, in the grand scheme of things. And so, so when we look at it from an external point, it seems that banding together as men is no longer necessary. We don't hunt together. We don't need to do that. And we don't need to, uh, we don't need to go to war together, but that's, the surface level stuff. That's the external. That's what everybody sees. But there's a whole bunch of internal that's taking place under the surface that rarely gets looked at, that if unaddressed, leaves us as men isolated, alone, anxious, depressed, potentially even suicidal. Studies suggest that suicide rates among men are four to five times higher than that of women. Big time. Uh, and part of that, as I, I believe it was Thoreau said, we live quiet lives of desperation. Yeah. We're all desperate. You asked me a question about why I started this. Part of part of the reason I started this is years earlier, my ex-wife uh, went and I went through, this was about 14 years ago, we went through a separation and it was really hard on me. And we ended up reconciling and getting back together. But uh I started talking with guys in my neighborhood about what was going on. Yeah. My wife and I are going through through separation and it's been hard and this is what's been going on. And I was amazed how often I heard from guys who were like, yeah, me too. We went through that too. And we struggled too. And here's what we did. And here's how I'm like, wait, all everybody is going like literally everybody has gone through this. Yep. And then, uh, 
you know, in the past year, I've talked a lot about my, my, my now divorce again, guys like, Hey, I'm struggling with the same thing. My wife and I are in a separation or we're thinking about divorcing. Like, what, what do you think? What should I do? Uh, I've, I've talked about my, uh, challenges with alcohol abuse. Everybody's going through the same thing and none of us as men are talking about it. That's we're so not. True. And it's, 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 it's frustrating because we can help each other. You know, we, I, I, I'm in a position where I can talk with a guy who's going through a divorce differently than I could before. I'm in a position to talk with somebody who has substance abuse issues different than I could before, but it takes balls, right? It takes courage for some, for one man to step up and actually explain that he doesn't have everything figured out. And then it takes another man's courage to listen and to be humble and to open up to a trusted council of men so that we can figure our shit out. We don't have to do it alone. And it's also not weak to reach out to your neighbor or your brother or your dad or a cousin or a friend or a brother and say, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm struggling with. You have any words of wisdom for me? And we want to serve each other. We want it's it's ingrained into our DNA. And again, to bring it full circle, it isn't until the relative ease of modernity where we've even called that into question. Yeah, it's very true. You know, when I went through my separation back in uh, 2009, um, I knew that without help, I wasn't going to make it. I I felt horrible. So a friend of mine, a woman actually, who's like a, like a, like a sister to me, she, she taught a uh, transformational program that I was in 21 years ago. She said, you need to join this men's group. Uh, and I'm like, what's a men's group? And she says, well, you know, you're going to sit with a bunch of men and you're going to talk about what you're dealing with and you're going to get advice from these men and you're going to get advice from the man who leads the men and this man can work with you one-on-one and he's good at helping men that are going through crisis. And I'm like, okay, I was so shell-shocked. I was I was a yes to anything that could potentially get me out of that. So I joined the men's group. I was in that men's group and that was a paid men's group and they charged they charge a lot of money. You know what I mean? I think I paid something like um, 700 bucks a month to be part of that group. And I was, I was in that group for a good year and a half, you know, and I worked with that man for another good two and a half years. And then I joined another men's group that was free after that. And it was out of those conversations with the other men that I healed there was so much anger pent up in me, so much rage, like rage that it needed a group of men to be able to deal with a man in a rageful state, to let him release it and let it be gone. And there was one man and this man was a pain in the ass. I didn't like him then. and I don't like him now, but he did me a great service. This one day he just got in my face and he was pissing me off and I got up to punch him. Like, he just pissed me off one time too many. And six of the other men jumped on me and grabbed me, you know. And I just said, let me go, let me go, let me at him, let me at him, you know. And so he stood a few feet away and said, when are you going to stop blaming yourself? When are you going to stop blaming your ex-wife? When are you going to forgive her? When are you going to forgive yourself? And this was me, like, looking at him wild-eyed, like five guys holding me back, trying to – trying to like make sure that I didn't get get to him and hit him. 
And in that moment, those words completely disarmed me. I collapsed in a heap. I just started howling, crying, like deep animal pain sounds came out of me. And it was a good 15 minutes of me doing that. And the men stood over me and they just, they put their hands on me. Like, you know, it was, it was meant as a gesture of, of comfort, but it was also sure. meant as a gesture. If he loses his ship, be ready to jump on him again. Right. No, it was, it was care. I can see that. It was, it was, it, it was, it was incredible because after that 15 minutes, that animal pain that had been stuck, it was like an arrow that had been stuck in my body, you know, like an animal that's been shot in the wild and the arrows stuck in them. That arrow got pulled out and the healing began. And that was the day our phones, we had to hand them in when we walked into that room. That was the rule. You couldn't have your phone on you and, and you had to turn it off and give it to, to the organizers of the event. So that was done. They, they called a break. I got my phone. I turned it on. The second I turned it on, my ex called me and this had been five years of us going back and forth and fighting and arguing. And she started to cry. Uh, and she said, I'm sorry, forgive me. I I've been trying to hurt you, make you suffer. I'm done with that now. And you, mm. you know, um, I'll sign the divorce papers the way you want them signed. And she signed in that moment. So energetically, the moment that that forgiveness energy uh, came to my awareness and the moment that I released that trapped anger, she felt it instantly and she called me. Like how, how incredible is that? Pretty amazing when things work out that way. And you know, you could, you could chalk it up to coincidence. I think a lot of us probably would. No way. But when you see it enough, you know, you see it enough or you experience it that viscerally as you did. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty hard to chalk it up that way. I I've even thought that with, with my divorce is my, ex-wife and I have been super amicable, like we have worked very, very well together. And uh, look, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. She's a great woman and, and she deserves a lot of credit for that, you know, where she has been angry and frustrated with me. And yet she's decided that she wants to be amicable and we want to co-parent well together. That's to her credit. But I could have been contentious. I could have been venomous. Um, I could have made things harder for her than they needed to be. I, I could have done those things. And I decided the same thing that I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to be contentious and I'm going to be amicable and I'm going to continue to work side by side with her and raising our children. That's our roles now. And, uh, you know, she, people feel that energy. They feel it from you as, as a man, like you're a leader, whether you think or know it or not, you are a leader. People are looking to you and then they're basing their own behaviors on what you're doing. Kids are a great example of that. You know, I, I, I've had experiences, one that I remember in particular, and it was, it was a mother <clears throat> and the daughter yelled from ac across the, the place we were, the room we were in and yelled like at the top of her lungs for her mom. And I'll never forget it. Her mom yelled back at her, like, if you want to come talk to me, whatever, like whatever, yelled back at her. And then she looked at us and she's like, I can't believe she's yelling through the house. Like, where does she even learn that from? And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, did you not just hear you yelling through the house to her? Where do you like, and I didn't say it, you know, I just, I just kept quiet. 
That was but, smart. That was smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay. Like what I'm, it's not my role to teach you that. No, it's not. But, um, yeah, you're, when I argue with my oldest son in particular, he says things. I'm like, you, this is like arguing with the 30, whatever, five year younger version of myself. And where did he learn that from? From me. So when he's rude or he's short or he's a little turd to his siblings, I got to question myself. Now, look, there's outside influences. It's not all me. There are outside influences, and we should be aware of that because they do influence our children. But we ought to take a look in the mirror when our I say it this way, our people, that's your wife, that's your kids, your friends, neighbors, colleagues, coworkers, those are your people. And when your people are not performing to the expectation or to the way they could, you probably ought to take a real hard look at yourself and ask yourself how you're showing up for them. Yeah. Right on, man. Well said. Well said. hundred percent. Well said. Um, my oldest son, he's 17. He's, he's, he, he's taller than me. He's stronger than me. <laughs> you know, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. And he's, um, He's still a dumb 17-year-old kid. He makes some great decisions and he makes some really dumb decisions. <laughs> and it, it's part of my job to um, to be there and help guide him. Um, on the weekend, his team uh, played uh, in a soccer tournament outside of my city. And they played really well. And he captained the last game, you know, uh, the final. And the other team scored a goal. And these guys just came back furiously to tie it in regulation time. And then it went to penalties. So, you know, in penalties, the coach assigns the players, but he asks who wants it, who wants, who wants to take a penalty. And he volunteered. He goes, yeah, I'm going to take a penalty. And he plays defense. He plays center back. Right. So he's not, he's not an attacker, but he took the last penalty. So you get five penalties and the best of five. So, the first three, each team scored. Then the fourth one, our goalie saved it. Uh, and our team scored. And then our goalie saved their fourth one. And then my son came up for the fifth one. If he scored, the game was over because they couldn't tie out of five, right? Right. So he right. came up there cool as a cucumber. Like the other kids, you could see some were a little nervous, right? He just walked up there, puts the ball there, cool as a cucumber, takes a shot. And it was a bullet of a shot. And it went right under the crossbar and then bounced in, just in inside the line. And, you know, his team goes crazy and he's just all calm. Michael Jordan-esque and just looks, walks away. And I'm like, damn, kid. I'm his dad. I'm watching. I'm like, oh, my God. Come on, come on, son. Please get it in, get it in, get it in. Definitely. And, you know, and he was the team captain for the finals of the tourney, and he scored the winning penalty. And God bless him, man. I was so proud of him. I was so proud of how cool he was. I would not have been as cool as he was. I would have been nervous, shaking, you know. But he was just there. He goes, yeah. He says, I said, son, how come you took the penalty? Because, you know, I was I was kind of, actually kind of surprised. He says, because no one else wanted to take it. He said, I wanted to take it. He said, you know, these guys were scared, and I wasn't. So that was it. I'm like, damn, there you go. That's so awesome. there are things to learn as a father for me, from my son. My son yeah. taught me a thing about courage and manhood in that moment. And I'm very proud of him. You know, now he also, uh, 
pulled his mom one day and said, Hey, you know, I don't feel well. I don't want to go to school. So he, he comes home after this project that he has to do. And I go, okay, are you not feeling well? He goes, well, I'm just tired. I said, well, you can't go to the gym. Okay. If you're tired or you're not well, you got to sleep or you got to go to school. So anyways, he went to the gym. So I drove there and I grabbed him metaphorically by the ear, pulled him out. I said, you're going to school, man. If you're well enough to go to the gym, you're not playing hockey to go to the, the gym. I was pissed. And he, he, he was pissed at me and I caught him, but I sent him to school and away he goes, you know, I might've let him stay at the gym. I'm thinking the gym might be more valuable than public school system, but yeah. Well, yeah. Listen, (laughs) my son goes to, they go to a private Catholic school. So it's a little different, although there's plenty of <laughs> crazy things going on, even in that world. I'm partly joking. Um, I, I'm, I understand your point. I was p- partly joking, but also partly. Not. Listen, I, I don't want to. I have a master's degree from university. OK, I went to a, an Ivy League school. I went to Georgetown University. And I don't know that I want my kids going to university. Like, unless they want to be a doctor or an engineer or, you know, something that needs a professional designation. Sure. Like, I'm like, why would these kids waste four years of their life being indoctrinated by communism? There's no yeah. point in that. There's no point in that. So, anyways. So, Ryan, you know, I really love and appreciate you for what you're doing for men out in the world. Thank you. The Order of Man is the most important voice out there for men and manhood and masculinity your podcast is the most important podcast for men in the world and you um you you got someone in me who's uh not just a fan and a supporter but you know i'm here man you let me know what you need you need an introduction i know a lot of people you always have been yeah and you know anything else you need uh questions you got come and ask and i think that it would be very, very valuable for you and I to consider maybe doing a um, a panel of some other men that we respect in this world, guys like Larry Hagner, uh, you know, guys like Ernie Emerson, maybe, maybe we can do a panel discussion. I'd love to have it on my show and have a bunch of men come and talk and bring these issues out in the world. What would be good for that is obviously everyone can share it within their world. So I think we'll get a wider audience for it than just a sure, yeah. was talking. But I also think what would be super valuable is like what you said earlier, which the different uh, points of view that each man will yeah, bring to the right. conversation. And, you know, if you're up for it, maybe we can even design the kinds of four or five or six topics we all want to talk about in there. I bet you Larry would be a yes to that. And I bet you Ernie would be a yes to that. Maybe, you know, a couple other guys yeah. that you might want to have. I think sure. that'd be a lot of fun. We should do it. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm up for it. So let's, uh, let's get something planned. Let's make it happen. All right. I'll send you uh, an email um, in the next few days and we'll, uh, we'll find out a way to, to make it happen. I think that'll be tremendous, tremendous fun. And go get yourself a Tim Kennedy, Ernest Emerson knife, man. That's a beautiful. Have to check thing. it out. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll go. I'll go to the website. I'll text you a link, and I'll I'll do an email intro for you and Ernie. I think that'd be a good introduction. You Perfect. guys get along real well. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I appreciate it on a personal level and a professional level. You know, sometimes we do these podcasts, and people know from a professional standpoint the connection. But you've also been there for me personally, and I I appreciate that and I value that. So that means a lot to me. Brother, ditto. You've been there for me uh, personally and professionally as well. And you know, when we, uh, when uh, Wayne Allen Root and I got our um, our new book out, um, 
the great Patriot Bicop book, you were one of the first big shows to put us on. So I really appreciate you doing that for us. And by the way, two days after we came on your show is when that whole Bud Light fiasco came to light and Anheuser-Busch was in the book. So Wayne goes, Nikki, we got to redo the book and pull Anheuser-Busch out. I'm like, oh my God, we just released it. So we pulled them out for a second edition. And then two days after that, Fox fired Tucker and Fox was in the book. So we had to pull Fox out of the book too. Fox and Target's pulling some stuff. Uh, and Target was always in the woke list. So we're okay. They were in the woke book. No, they, they, didn't, in they, didn't, book. they didn't include them. Okay. Good. Thank God. But I mean, that, Crazy was, world. that was wild, man. That was wild. The, uh, uh, the good news is I think people are waking up. That's the good news. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Well, brother, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I really do. Thanks for coming on the show, man, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.